Hi guys, this is Jorge. And this is Viv. And welcome to the JAV Show. Woo! Uh, so this week we're going to talk about something, I think it's a little dicey, but kind of cool. So recently I completed my ethics exam for my professional designation. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, doesn't mean I am a professional yet, but it means I'm one step closer. Um, but the one thing is that I want to talk about ethics here. I think it's a kind of a cool topic. It's very not straightforward. So there's no like right or wrong answers. Uh, it's kind of embodies who you are, but at the same time, there's like professional aspects of it too. So I thought it'd be kind of cool, like to throw out some of the theories out there and then to look at some examples. I think that'd be pretty fun. Hmm. So what is ethics, Viv? What do you think ethics is? No right answers. No wrong answers. <laughs> um, I think that ethics are a set of kind of like unsaid rules that society has created that deems whether you are following society's set moral compass. Mm, that's uh... And that's why society has um, their own ethics that they can put in place or even like companies or groups of people. And you also have your own set of ethics. That's very, very close. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much there. <laughs> like, ethics itself is a more personal level. Mm. And I think when ethics become more uh, universal, they end up becoming law. So, for example, like, it's not good to kill people. So, therefore, there's laws against murder and stuff like that, right? What's the difference between ethics and morals when it comes to personal no, they're like ideas exactly tied in. So like oh, okay. moral principles are guidelines that people live by to make sure they're doing the right thing. So this typically entails like honesty, fairness, um, just things like that. Right. And then ethics is moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conduct uh, or when conducting an activity. Right. Oh, interesting. So when these ethics become super important and super critical and very universal, they typically become law. Right. Like mm. theft and murder and things like that. You yes. know, ethically, it's not right. So then we dictate to, I mean, I guess the government dictates that these should not be done, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah. And then there's like different, I think there's different um, bases people use too. For example, like how I act in a professional level compared to a personal level, like ethics wise is a lot different. Yeah. Like I think... Um, this is not like a clear example, but for example, in I believe most professionals, when you're working somewhere, you can't ethically accept gifts, like just straight out of whatever. But on a personal level, if someone were to gift me something, I would just say, oh, you know, like, thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just accept it. So I think there's like a different face. Like, you know how some people have that, uh, that what was it called? Customer voice? Oh, customer service voice. Yeah, 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 I definitely have one. You have that customer service voice and then you have your like personal with your friend's voice and it's very different. Like, very different. Like the the not just the the sound, but the words you use to ex- ma- yeah. to to say the same thing is completely different, right? Really different. Your mannerisms are different, your posture is probably different. Yeah. Just everything. Like, yeah, like the personal Jorge and the professional Jorge, they uh, they do not align. Um, <laughs> they go very differently, but I think it is what it is. And I think part of it is also tied into your, like, ethics too because um, there's there's some theories that we're going to go over. But I think ethics is not just about doing the right thing, but sometimes it's also, like, I, I think the biggest dilemma is that 
sometimes doing the right thing is good for a specific party, but not good for another party, right? And then it gets very dicey when it becomes very personal, right? So when it's good for you personally compared to someone else, then the decision's a lot harder, right? That reminds me of something that I learned from my therapist where she she said that um, if you're deciding or when she was talking to me, she said that when I'm deciding on whether something is whether something is good or bad, then it has to be for something to be good by definition, it should be good for everyone involved. So the reason why she gave me this advice was because she said that I need to stop like self-sabotaging or putting myself second in some scenarios. And I feel like when you're talking about what's, whether something is good or not, then I think that it's technically not good if somebody's getting harmed. But so I guess the most, the hardest dilemma is, is when it feels inevitable that one party will be harmed. Then is it really good? So okay, so uh, this we're 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 gonna go through a lot of these examples, but one of them is, for example, the whole train scenario, right? Mm. Like you 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 can switch a track. You can either kill one person or ten person, and all of a sudden that one person's your grandma, and all of a sudden the ten people are you know people you're really close with. Are you gonna ask that question later? I mean, not like not that exact question, but okay. Answer the question now. I'm curious what your answer would be. Um, I. So, I don't think there's a right or wrong, um, but I think I would always save like family over anyone else. Mm-hmm. But if if all else is equal, so like saying, "Hey, you could kill these ten people here and these ten people there," uh, I would choose not to act. If that makes sense, you can't. No, no, no. As in, as in, like, if you were to act, then you kill this ten group and you don't kill this ten group. And if you don't act, you kill this ten group, and you don't. Oh, so I then see. I would choose not to. It's it's almost like I I see what you mean. Like you pull the lever to change directions, yeah, or just I don't. just won't touch anything in that scenario. If all else being equal, but yeah. I think in a lot of those dilemmas, all else is not equal. So it's all either like, you know, your your dog and your grandma on one side, and like your best friend on the other side, or something like so, something stupid. That what makes would you pick? Think. Between my it was dog. your dog and your grandma on one side, and it was your best friend on the other side. Uh, I mean, ah, oh damn! I'm sorry, dog and grandma. Really? I mean, wow. So, or maybe that's just me. I I I think it's so hard to quantify because everyone. Oh, okay. So going back to the very beginning, where do you even get your moral principles from? Right? It's usually from. I think it's usually a lot of it is from nurture, not from nature. So you don't grow up knowing what moral principles are, right? You might have some idea where your brain will say, this feels bad when you do this, right? Mm-hmm. But there is no like, like you're not grown up with moral principles. I think you're grown up, if you're very primitive, it would just be like, you know. You think it's nurture fuck. versus nature? No, no, no. I, I'm So what I'm saying is, First, the question is, where do you get these moral principles from, right? Mm. And I think it's dependent on the people you grow up with, right? I think it's nurtured. Mm. Because I, I think in a nature level, the only thing you really know for a fact that isn't affected by nurture is you want, you need to eat, you want to fuck, and like those certain things that are the bottom pyramid of survival. Mm-hmm. And then everything else, like ethics, is like, 
the top pyramid. I think it's more nature, more nurture than nature. Right? I agree. So then that the the answer to that question is like dependent on what you value, but also like how you how you think of life. Mm-hmm. Right. So then that could entail religion. It could entail um, like values that you've grown up with. It could entail the certain situation. Right. So it's very different. Right. I, I mean that situation is very tough, but in my mind, one is like I'm very close with my dog, but it's another human. And then my grandma's lived a full life, kind of thing. Like she's like eighty some ninety, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like okay, I have to weigh those situations together. And then me growing up um, in my household and me like working and living in a very science and mathematical way, it seems like the weighing of the options was the best to pick that, right? Damn. But I, I think I think a lot of people would think differently, right? So I mean, yeah. Well, there's like two options, right? I I like I really thought that I would use the train and have it run over my best friend, over my grandma, and my dog. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not because my grandma was the weighing option, <laughs> deciding factor, but more so because my dog means like the world to me. So she would be the deciding factor. But when you're talking about how your grandma would have lived a full life, I've thought about that too. But then I didn't take into consideration that my dog would only be alive for 15 years. And if I were to kill my best friend, then I would be without a best friend for 50 years or so. Yeah, and I think... Like, I mean, it's a very unfair question. Like, yeah. I actually hate those. Like, we actually, so while we we're in engineering, we literally had a full half an hour talk where they threw us all these train examples. Yeah. And at the end of the day, pretty much, I think what we learned was this is all fucked. Like, it's just, it's just yeah. there's no right answers to this shit. But yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. So, like. If I had to pick, I'm sorry, Carmen, but you're going. <laughs> <laughs> you're dead, girl. You're dead, girlfriend. Um, But yeah. So we'll go through some of these questions. I think it's kind of a cool discussion going through these questions because it yeah. kind of explores who we are and what we think of. Yeah. Uh, but first, I want to go through some like classical ethical theories. I think it's cool to have some background information on this stuff. Um, so these are the four classical theories I had to learn for my exam. Right. Mm. They're not all the theories possible. Yeah. Um, in fact, I read up a bit more and I think that grouping these classical theories into like specific categories actually make even more sense right Mm -hmm. so the first theory is uh it's called mills utilitarianism i don't know if you've heard of that before school me pretty much it's very simple it just says maximum benefit for maximum number of people right so what mills is saying is that the goal in life is happiness right therefore anything that is the opposite of the least happiness or least pain or least distress is the best. Therefore, maximizing happiness for the maximum number of people or maximum happiness overall is going to be the best um, answers, right? So that is obviously um, like a very broad and simple way of thinking of things. Mm. Um, and the category that this falls under is called... Consequentialist theories. So what that means is that um, whether the thing is ethical or not is judged by the consequence of the actions. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's one theory. Uh, again, it's very. I don't know. Like, what? What do you think of that? Like, max. Like, it's very democratic. It's very. It's very democratic. I just thought of an example when you're talking about that, where um, 
over the weekend i had a group of friends that kind of wanted to do something but no one could really make a executive decision on what to do and everyone had like differing opinions on what to do and i felt like someone needed to take charge or take lead so i decided on a plan that would fit almost pretty much like everyone's desires for the rest of the night and i felt like that probably aligned with this theory yeah but so it's tough too because now we can think of it a different way what if you picked it with the intention of it being the best for everyone but the consequence wasn't that so i think that's one of the drawbacks of this theory like consequence so uh for example um let's just okay i i this is just me theory crafting example right now okay so i think the best outcome for everyone in the world is everyone gets a universal basic income okay ubi yeah Yeah. and then i implement that i think it's going to create maximum happiness for everyone right do you think ubi is actually going to happen no uh no really Uh, yeah wait can we go on this tangent wait uh after i finish okay (laughs) so then so then in doing so, what I've actually created was a bunch of like lazy drug users from this. Again, this is just a theory. This is just a random theory. Okay. Graph. I think some people do truly believe this. And then these people aren't just just aren't doing anything with their lives, and they're just wasting it away. And now, with my original good intentions, I've actually created a bad consequential. Like for overall, people's happiness has actually decreased, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore it would be something wrong to do. But one of the hardest thing is because it's a consequential theory, like it's very hard to like you have to almost imagine what the outcome would be and then implement it, but you could be wrong too, right? Yeah. Um and then I don't know how you'd feel about that. But anyways going back to universal basic income, I don't think it'll happen. I think um so okay, the theories to universal basic income is that there's gonna be so much good technology and AI that you literally do not need to do anything for the world to keep moving. As in like these robots will farm for us and do all these things for us. Like for a human to survive, they don't need to do anything and they shouldn't be forced to do something that's mundane or they don't like because um like there's robots doing it now right and then Mm -hmm. therefore for you to survive you need some type of income for you to like buy food and stuff like there's just no more jobs because yeah like the robots have taken over yeah uh i don't think that will happen because uh like maybe i'm skeptical so i'm skeptical that people are going to be uh not fucking with the system so that's number one and i actually think the easier thing to actually do is not to make a universal basic income but to actually make everything else cheaper right Mm. so like if things are so well processed and so efficient you could simply just make the products that you require to live a lot cheaper therefore people who that's like the same it's similar yeah so then people who work will need to work fewer hours to achieve what they need to survive Mm-hmm. right so it is the same but it's it stops the whole like handout argument right like yeah. there's no more handouts anymore but you still have to work you may not need to work as much like the minimum amount of effort required to live might be a lot Reduced. lower now yeah. but it's still there right mm, whereas, like whereas the ubi uh argument i like i thought of it i thought it was cool at first i think andrew yang was one of the first people i like heard about that wanted to Im- implement that and all these like explanations to it and i was like Oh, that sounds pretty cool. But then I thought again, and I'm like, it doesn't completely make sense, right? Like, mm. there's no more, um, there's no more 
was it called motivation to improve right so like the new motivation for me to improve in that new society would be to make things even more efficient right because i'd have to work even less hours mm-hmm. but, and i'd still get the same outcome right mm-hmm. and then if you keep doing that then that task just becomes like just basic right so i don't know that's that's my thoughts to that kind of swayed me not gonna lie <laughs> i mean but it could, like it could be wrong too i don't know i know they tested this out in like denmark or sweden or one of those places that have um a higher quality of living they, they tested in the states too in oh. one of the counties of one of the states they tested this oh, i never knew about that one yeah and it had positive reports back like they found that people were happier when they didn't have to worry about their basic needs and they could focus more of their energy and their mental space on their actual goals and things that actually fueled their passion when they didn't need to have to work they didn't need to worry about their basic needs and maybe it's because I'm more of a like glass half full type of person but I feel like there hasn't really been a scenario in history yet where somebody aside from like your basic person that gets like a lot of money from i don't know a trust fund or somebody else funds their life but you have we haven't been able to see how humans really react or respond when they don't need to worry about their basic needs and when they can literally just focus on their dreams and whatever inspires them and i feel like There's a lot that somebody can do if they don't need to worry about their basic needs. And I feel like maybe it's too positive of a way of thinking, but I want to believe that humans will be able to flourish in the ways that they can't right now if they're allowed to follow and chase their passions, like headstrong. So like, I believe that you'll always make money if you do something that you're good at. Like if you're good enough at something that you do, then the money will come eventually. And I feel like a lot of people in life are hard stuck on where they are because they have to worry about their personal um, basic needs first before they can chase a passion project. And if they could have the time to chase a passion project, then I believe that everyone will almost be where exactly where they should be and will actually love their roles and their jobs because they're doing something that they genuinely like and they were given that opportunity to do so because they didn't need to worry about their basic needs or like have it other stressors in their life so like imagine if you were if you were just really into i don't know like sticker making which is like something that's become more popular in the last year or so i'm sure there's people who have like small etsy shops or small businesses where they sell stickers on the side but not all of them, not all of these people can leave their nine to five or their main their main job in order to put most of their focus or all of their focus into the sticker business. But say that you get UBI, these people would be able to leave their um, their full time job or whatever job doesn't satiate them in life and focus on their passion project. So like the sticker business. And if they are able to allocate most of their time into the sticker business, then I'd like to believe that they would be able to make this business like soar and go way further than they could just because they have like their basic needs met. 
And I feel like this is this is also shown in places in Europe where the government really supports their citizens in terms of like their housing and their education and just their quality of life. So a lot of people in Europe don't actually care to have a higher pay because they don't actually need more money because their government just supports them enough. And I feel like that same idea falls into place when people get UBI. So like your basic needs are met and you'll be more happier and be able to allocate energy into other areas so that you could succeed in other areas. So here's the ethical dilemma to that. Is that what if someone's passion is hurting other people? Like it's drugs? Like yeah, well, <laughs> like okay, so that's very like easy to say, but okay, what if someone's passion is like vape or something or making vapes and stuff? Like what if their passion is to create something that's not good for society in some people's views? And not just okay, let, let's say not some people's views, in most people's views. So let's say like 70% of the people think this thing is bad, but this person has a passion to make it. If the goal of what you're saying is that if you follow your passion, you'll make money, blah, 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 blah. Then who are you to also say that this person's passion is wrong? I think that like there's always two sides of a coin or two sides of a pole or whatever you want to look at it. If you want to think about like the worst people or people that will abuse the system and essentially if their passion is like, okay, they're a freaking serial killer. Yeah. Their passion is to get rid of people. Yeah. On the flip side, there's most likely somebody whose passion is to become the best cop or the best detective or the best law enforcer or something like that to like counteract that, right? Like if you have one extreme on one end, then you're most likely to have an extreme on the other end. Newton's law shit. But then that means you're like, it'll, it'll be somewhat chaotic because you're enabling both sides of the chaos now, right? I so, think so it would be more chaotic than like life right now. Because um, there will always be like, things on opposite spectrums right yes but then the, the okay the argument is that now you're enabling it right you, like you're literally creating the batman and the joker at the same time right like you're you're creating that that scenario where it can flourish because you're in you're saying hey whatever you love like for example the joker literally loves chaos and the batman wants order right and the two are literally clashing and it's both their passion but then when you enable both, then it creates this very weird scenario, right? Uh, I like I I mean I uh, there's no right answer. I, I have no idea. Like I I agree that if you follow your passion, it'll work out. But I also do think that um sometimes you get hit in life with a brick and you just have to figure shit out. And I think sometimes, okay, in my opinion, sometimes the skills you learn and the things you do that you don't like actually end up helping you a lot more. So like, if you never get to pursue those, you never get to um, develop fully, if that makes sense. So it's a very like unilateral development. You're developing in the one thing you really like, which is probably going to give you most happiness, but um, you're not aware that other things that you can develop that can actually make you even better. Right? And sometimes you're forced into those positions which sucks, but then it makes you a better person at the end of the day or a better outcome of what you want to be, right? I can see that. Um, okay, so anyways, that was one of the consequential theories. Now there comes to the non-consequential theory. So one of them is Kant's uh, formalism or duty ethics. Uh, so what this theory is just saying is do what's right. It's kind of like there's a bunch of commandments is like this is the right thing to do. If you can universally say it's right, then it's the right thing to do, and then you have to, you should follow it 
and it's regardless of the consequence so for example um one of them is like always speak truthfully right mm-hmm. um regardless of the consequences you did the right thing um even though you may cause more harm than good mm. so that's another ethics principle is like you act accordingly to these universal laws right mm. um and then on that same category is another one it's called locks rights so that means your actions like you should think of your actions if they protect the life liberty and human dignity of others so pretty much everyone has rights and if your actions can protect the other people's rights then it is ethically the right choice um they're both non-consequential that means like regardless of the outcome there is a choice that can be right or wrong okay right because like you you've thought of it in a you thought of it with universally right things, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's the non-consequential one. And uh, I think they had some examples of why you would use one rather than the other. But like telling the truth? Yeah, but like, so like one scenario is that if, say, you know someone's in a relationship, you saw that person going out with someone else, like cheating kind of thing, um, like what is... The eth- that's the eth- that's a very common personal ethical dilemma right like do you tell the other partner like who do you talk to um mm-hmm. what do you say in that situation type of thing um, would you tell would i do would you tell yeah um i mean i th- i think i would to be honest i would tell I would I would probably tattle. I would probably snitch on that, but I would it yeah, I would tell. I, I if mean, I was close to the person that was cheating, I think I'd embarrass them on the spot. Like if it was like my best friend that was cheating on her her boyfriend, I would embarrass her on the spot and be like, What the fuck are you doing in front of like everyone? If I was actually close to them. Um, I mean, I would tell, but you know, who knows? You know, throuples are a thing these days. So, (laughs) I mean, I would tell them, but I wouldn't go into much details and what I know. And then I would ideally leave the situation. I'm a very non-interventionist. Yeah, I I don't believe in intervening in these type of situations. I think it's up to I don't know the other people to deal with. I mean, I mean, there's 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 some guilt to that too, right? Like you don't want to. I don't know. Like, it's, okay, so the next dicey part of this dilemma is that what if they have kids? And it does. So for some people, that doesn't change anything. That's like, okay, I will still tell. But for yeah. some people, they'll start thinking, okay, would this ruin the family? The kids? And I would... then affect the kids' life dramatically, right? Um, and then no one wants that bearing on their, like, no one wants that weight on their consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it gets dicier from there. What would you do in that scenario? Would you tell, okay, say it's the girl that's cheating and they have kids. Would you tell the guy or would you tell the girl? Um, or would you talk to the girl? I would talk to whoever's the least, um, like least willing to do something fucking crazy. What do you mean by that? So like some people are very hot headed or very like 
action before thinking type of people. <laughs> Interesting. I know some. Yeah. Uh-huh, I know some. You? I know some very close people that are like that. Um, yeah, and I would tell the person that is not the the one that's least like that. Oh, smart. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm very open with these uh relationship type things. Like, I feel like there's obviously a reason they're cheating. Like, I actually never completely think it's one sided. Oh really? I think it could be like ninety ten, but it's not like a hundred zero. Oh okay, yeah. So like. There's some communication errors here. There's something wrong here. And like whenever you talk about communication errors, it's not just one person. It's like the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I think, I don't know. I guess I'm very open-minded. I think that if if you have the desire to seek, like I think monogamy is kind of just whatever in my opinion sometimes. Uh, like I mean, I don't know how to explain this properly, but I I think that it just depends. Like I don't, I wouldn't judge like a throuple or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it just depends on the situation and what you guys are comfortable with, and it just sees if you guys want to talk about it. Because I feel like, um, like maybe they're not like the couple is not sexually satisfied, or the one partner is not sexually satisfied, right? Like, again, this is gonna like uh, probably a lot of people will hate me for saying this or not. But like, if they're not sexually satisfied, is there a way to like introduce other things into the relationship to make that work, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's like another partner or something like that, then maybe that's the way. If if everyone agrees to it, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that means communication is not working out, right? Um. So I think my first action is always talk to the person who's not like is most likely to think before they act, and then let them deal with it. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, I just think like cheating's bad, but I think it's not it's never one-sided like there was something wrong on both ends for that to happen right because like if if both sides were communicating properly and both sides were completely happy and satisfied there would be no cheating in the first place yeah right but clearly there's like there's something there's an imbalance here right and something's wrong so i agree so i i i don't think i would I would definitely not do what you do and like make it very public or anything like that. <laughs> I wouldn't try to embarrass anyone. I would just uh, I would. probably talk to the person who would least likely blow up. And I think as a male, um, I would probably try to talk to the male because I, I might have some of their perspectives a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like I wouldn't want to talk to the female because I think that they're going to bug me a lot about shit that I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if I'm really close, like if that female was like a really good friend or a best friend, like if that female was you, then I'd be like, oh fuck, I'd have to tell her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, 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 like I said, the reason why it gets dicier when there's kids involved is that you don't want anyone to harm anyone, right? Yeah. So and then, like, the kids are being yeah. So the, so then you need to tell the person that's less most likely to act to think before they act. Right. Yeah, and sometimes that is not your best friend. You know what I mean? Like sometimes your best friend will go fucking nuts. Like she'll fucking drink a liter of bleach in front of her kids or some shit. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ! I, I mean, it's just <laughs> random examples of suicidal fucks that you, you know what I mean. Like some some people, yeah, with their passion of romance and stuff gets too much, right? And they go crazy. I can see that. But uh, anyways, this the theories are mostly like duty related. So like. The non the consequential one I think is better if in your if you're in a large large group setting where like democracy kind of helps a bit more. Yeah. Um, I think the duty framework is um, it, it, I guess it just creates like a rule system for people to think of, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's like abide by these laws, but obviously because it's ethics, it gets really squirrely and it gets really like weird and hard sometimes, right? Yeah, because the right thing to do could be very consequential, right? Mm-hmm. Like for example, right now in the ge- geopolitical world, the right thing to do is to you know save the people of a certain country that's being invaded, right? Mm-hmm. But doing that could create a world war. Right. Yes. So then, in doing that, in saving the people of one country, you could harm the people of thirty other countries. The world. Right. Yeah. Right. So then, it just becomes very difficult. Right. And then, I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. It's just like you got to see the situation. Okay. Now the last one is called. Sorry, I don't have these guys memorized. It's called agent-centered theories. It's a very weird theory. It's very very hard. Just like know if it's right or wrong but it also kind of meshes with the other theories so it's um it's aristotle's virtue ethics right so pretty much the thought process is if you're if you come into an ethical dilemma what would in your mind a virtuous person do so a virtuous person being like a role model or someone really good or someone like people would look up to pretty much yeah what would dwayne the rock johnson yeah like or like what would your what would your future like pretty much it goes back to hey if you were to die and your obituary what would you want us to say like that's how you should act and mm-hmm. like what would that person do in this specific situation right mm-hmm. it's there's no it's very hard because there's no set rules it wasn't like the other one where it's like hey maximum good for maximum people or do the right thing followed by these universal rules and again these universal rules aren't even like like specific right mm-hmm. it's very general and it's different for different people right like must <laughs> chaotic muslims might think you know know, girls shouldn't show their face and that's their rule and they'll act upon that right and they Mm -hmm. think that they're doing an ethical thing right and it just depends on that situation but in this one it's very odd because it's like i mean i think this person would do this like you kind of have to like imagine yourself in a virtuous person's shoes and what would they do right yeah like some of this is like straightforward it's like if you see someone drop a 20 dollar bill a virtuous person would pick that up and put it in person, your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depends on what you think virtuous is, but yeah. Right. So, um, just want to outline out there. These are like some of the theories out there to ethics, but I don't think like, I feel like if you had a job in like philosophy or like something to do with researching ethics and stuff, you have like unlimited work because there's never a right or wrong answers right yeah it's, it's not like solving pi uh, obviously that's also unlimited work but like, <laughs> i was just gonna be like um that's probably the worst example you could use i mean okay like solving the speed of light or something like that like like there's an end point where you can get to it, right but like ethics and like philosophy and shit like that on life is like there's no end you can always keep like thinking of possibilities and then from what i've learned and no one judged me no one knows my id for my engineering shit so you can't really report me from what i've learned from my exam and my testing and shit it's uh it's i think the most basic one is like do unto others what you uh, do unto others as you would like to be done unto yourself something (laughs) like that yeah uh it's pretty much like don't be a dick i think at the end of the day it's just don't be a dick be fair um i think in a professional sense the most common ones is like Conflict of interest, right? So, for example, if you're bidding a contract and your brother's one of the companies that is wanting to bid for the... Your brother owns a company that wants to bid for the contract or works for a company, mm-hmm. you have to, like, self-disclose and then let the higher-ups or the client or whoever choose to let you or not let you be one of the examiners, right, of yeah. the bids. Um, those are some very co- uh, common ones. I think those are very 
easy so like that one uh so conflict of interest uh gift giving and stuff like you can't accept gifts from tenders that you're already sending out to because it like although it may not actually sway your decision the the image of it swaying your decision will not be good for the company yeah uh, so, so those are some of the very obvious professional i don't think that's very like hard i don't know like I, like we've always had ethics training and those i feel like are so simple it's like like as long as you have any conflict of interest just say so yeah uh, but somebody could get dicey so for example uh if you hold if okay if you've hired someone to invest for you and they invest in a stock in a company that's in the tender and you're evaluating the tender and you don't actually know that because for example a lot of people who hire other people to do their investing they don't actually know the ins and outs of what the person's doing right they're paying someone to just you know make money for them in this sense um kind of like mutual funds and other things like that right mm-hmm. um then it gets kind of weird there because it's like technically is that a conflict of interest at that point because it is but then you actually didn't even know like you didn't even know that you had stocks in that company mm-hmm. right like you like it's just a publicly traded company you had no idea that your mutual fund had a two percent amount in that one stock in that one company or something like that right yeah i see how that can get um difficult but i think it's only for rich people so I think I think only people who prosper a lot from that they get like they actually get checked like the, people actually go into it oh, yeah, yeah. and check that shit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think if you're like the ninety nine percent of the world, that shit won't ever really affect you. Like you have to be the one percent for that to stuff to actually yeah for them you. to actually care. Uh, but the one professional one I think I thought I'd bring up is uh professional relationships. So like, um. Obviously, there's, like, unfairness. I think the common one is, like, you know, your boss is not unfair to you. It could be because of... You, you could think it's because of religious reasons, because of racial reasons, because of sex, because of any of that stuff. I think sex is one of the biggest ones, right? It's, like, you get paid less than your um, opposite male gender counterpart. counterpart. Yeah. I mean, opposite gender, because, you know... Actually, I don't know. How much do male porn stars make compared to female ones? Oh, you're right. I'm guessing females make a lot more. I, I, I'd assume so, right? Yeah, but then I'd assume so. In the, in the, let's say, professional business... It's typically male, you know, executives make more, male, whatever position, managers, or any of these roles make more than their female uh, counterparts, right? Yeah. Uh, So that becomes ethically weird because now you're, in my my opinion, I think it's so hard because you're trying to justify to your boss's boss that your boss is being unfair to you because of a specific uh, reason, right? Yeah. That's unfair, right? For example, if my boss hires all Asians, and there's one white dude in the group and he's not getting a raise for whatever reason. Now, is that performance based? Is that like some other reason? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like those are the hardest ones. I feel like most times when I hear someone talk about that, they just end up quitting. Like if there's some unfair boss for a reason that they can't specifically like disclose to HR or like they think they're paranoid, you know what I mean? Like HR thinks they're paranoid or like they think they're being treated unfairly, but then they try to think of their like third eye type of imagination. Third eye. Like like they try to think of in HR's shoes, is this unfair? And then they're like, Oh wait, I guess like they can't come up with logical, solid yeah, evidence. Yeah, but then it feels like it's unfair, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's related to sex, religion, or whatever. I yeah. feel like that's one of the co- more common ones that I think people like just straight up quit their jobs for the most time. I would say so if you have an unfair, unsupportive higher up. I mean, it's like a toxic work environment type of thing, right? Yeah. So I think that's one of the more, more, more common ones. Um, I don't know. Like, have you experienced that before? Um, uh, not really. Actually, I feel like I've been 
I think you get treated better because you're a girl in the STEM yeah. in the STEM society. I think it's um like in the past it's all male dominant and because because some companies are like super woke now, they want to like reverse <laughs> that. So then woke AF. Yeah. So then it gets to the point where um they would rather hire someone who is less competent but checks in the diversity field. Yeah, it makes them look better. Yeah, yeah. And I mean like I see both sides to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like of someone of minority, it's nice to have the opportunity. Yeah, because because, but it sucks too. Because if I was in their shoes, like it it sucks because like I don't want to be a try like be tribalistic or like be very tribe like push pursue my own tribe. But if I was in their shoes, I think naturally that's what people would do. Yeah, right? and it's not it's so hard to explain because. It's not because that person's Asian is uh, why I would hire them. It's because I get along with them more. And maybe I get along with them more is because they grew up like I grew up. Because they're Asian. Yeah. So then, so then <laughs> it's, it's really hard, right? Because yeah, I feel I like sometimes people aren't... It's kind of the whole um, thing I talked about before, the consequential and non-consequential, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're acting in the right way, but it looks bad. Mm-hmm. Or they're acting in the wrong way and it's like good so acting the wrong way would be like hiring you because of your diversity and all that stuff but you're actually not competent Mm -hmm. right so that means um like it looks like it's good but then you're not doing the right thing right like the right thing in my opinion and it's very like i think it's a very naive opinion is always to hire the most competent person for the for the job but i do agree some people have a leg up in life where like their parents are engineers or their parents are whatever and they get the hookups and like they just straight up get more connections and they yeah. learn more because of that and that's why they're more competent. I mean, there's a whole debate and whole study up that's done on that that like people who I was listening to a podcast on this actually like 2 weeks ago where people who have more support or are more fortunate to have just more in life growing up, they will generally go a lot further than people that don't so this doesn't just come from people who grew up with money and you get like the support from your parents or you don't have to work like a part-time job in high school or you just are allowed to just buy more things or not have to worry so much about finances growing up it's more than just that it's also like people who come from neighborhoods that are less fortunate or not as nice neighborhoods you typically also get less chances of succeeding or less opportunities to get on that same level as your counterparts. And that goes even further to like people of certain minorities or ethnicities or even just like women in general. You get less opportunities and down the line because you're in these certain situations like being in a bad community growing up or not having like solid your parents not having solid finances growing up it leads to so much more than just like being able to have better opportunities for your career it leads to like mental health which leads to your leads to like your relationships your career all that stuff but then that also leads to like how you carry yourself as a person how you can contribute to your community as a citizen and all that like it's insane it's really really surprising actually like how much your community where you've come from the financial status of your family growing up and all that can affect 
who you become and where you can go in the future there's a ted talk on this actually like that's what i was listening to you fucking talk. love ted talks and it's really really interesting it was a lot more interesting than i thought it would be yeah like it's tough too because um like not just for the people but think about it on i mean i I know people hate corporate people but think about in a corporate sense like if you were the corporation or the heads of the corporations how would you manage this um this imbalance in your company and your like diversity profile right Mm -hmm. and like it's just tough like like that person's just more competent and yeah maybe because their parents are supporting them more at a younger age or maybe they have a better community or better stuff and it's just i don't know you just don't care that or it's not up to you to care to that extent i guess because your main purpose is to find somebody that's competent for the role right yes and they have like a duty to their shareholders to just get the best shit for the yeah. for the company or like make make the most most money so it's i don't know it gets very very tough in my opinion mm-hmm. um so I think that's a common one. And the next common one I think in the workplace might be like like workplace romantic relationship. Like what if you fall in love with your boss or some shit or you bang your boss or something like that. I mean, obviously, um, that's not good, guys. Don't do that uh, without consent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah. I mean, like it kind of makes so like you, you, you know the term work husband or work wife, right? Like it's just yeah. some people like you just spend so much time with them that you just like really you know get close with them right you have a work wife uh no i don't talk to anyone at work it's like <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I, I mean yeah i don't know my i don't know how to explain dude like the two people i work closest with are um 40 year old asian dude and a 50 year old asian dude do you have a work husband? <laughs> no, I don't have a work husband. I mean, we're really good. I mean, we like talk and we we sometimes go for lunch, but that's about it. Uh, I think at one of my co-op jobs, I had a work wife. That was pretty fun. Uh, oh, cool. No, it was just like we were just really close. Like every meeting, we'd sit next to each other and just hang out a lot. And I mean, at the end, when we left our internship, we just didn't hang out as much. But it's just the fact that like you see this person more. Therefore, you um, are more likely to, you know, develop relationship with them yeah and it could just be a, a, a platonic relationship but it could be something even further than that right makes sense and then like, i i actually i don't know i only know like one case of someone getting very close with their boss and then end up being a relationship i assume at that situation you just tell your bosses and then they just figure out a way that you guys don't work together but can still yeah. have a relationship i think that's the most common scenario um everything else seems like a like a fetish like people want that to happen but i don't think it's ever happening kind of thing I mean, like, I haven't had a work husband before, but I've definitely been in a scenario where I've gotten really close with somebody that I've worked with, and I was in the higher-up position. Oh, making bubble tea? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> That's the story. And then, like, it was just, like, every single time we worked, we would work together, and we got closer that way. But it wasn't something that I needed to, like, obviously warn anybody about because I mean, it, yeah. it's not a concern, right? Yeah. At that in yeah. that industry or that type of work i mean if you work at like superstore or mcdonald's or anything sorry you know i don't think this completely applies to you i think you just live your life as is yeah you just do you go yeah. bang in the back yeah <laughs> but in like other professional companies i guess it matters a bit more um yeah. well the one thing i was gonna note too is i think gift giving is very lopsided too so i think if you're a small business you fucking take whatever gifts you want whenever you want and no one really ever judges you from that but if you're a bigger company where 
like the tender process has to become public or like certain th- rules are in place from like laws or other things um then it becomes very like if you're working with a publicly traded company so even if you're not a publicly traded company but your client is a public tra- trade company i yeah. think the tender process also has to be public and all that stuff and your rationale for choosing a bid has to be closely evaluated right and in those cases the gifts won't work but if you're like a small like business owner oh, like, yeah. you just fucking accept anything right it's like any major corporation all their major decisions are posted online and you can they have to post their earnings and post yeah. all the yeah all their bigger investments and all their bigger decisions online yep all right so let's get to the juicier shit i think viv wants to talk more about um <laughs> these are the i just found out some like typical moral dilemmas i think it'll be really fun to talk about obviously we talked about the unfaithful friend one um, there's another one I kind of reread through. It's like, if you, if you brought your niece and your niece's friend on a trip and, um, you didn't know there's a storm coming, but they're playing in the beach and they're swimming and all of a sudden they get stuck in a riptide and you can go out and you know, almost to a very high certainty, you can only save one, but you can't save both because if you try to save both, you'll die yourself Yeah. because of the, you know, the ocean and all that stuff. Yeah. Like what's the ethical thing to do in that situation right um and then so whatever the answer is yeah they'll also add on after that oh but this person's a stronger swimmer than that person (laughs) okay so my first answer is that i'm not afraid to die so if i if there was a chance all three of us die if there was a chance that i could save the both of them and then i would die from exhaustion or whatever it be and i would save the both of them and let myself die I, i i don't so do you swim a lot? No. <laughs> okay, so I don't think that'll ever happen in this situation because you might be able to save one and then in your process of saving the other, you might die and then that person will also die. Okay. And then if you try to grab both of them, you'll, all three of you will, will drown. That's usually how... like I would save my the person that's related yeah. to me. So then... So then I'm sorry, other kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. You chose I, to go on this trip. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what statistics is, but I think other than like monks and like religious people, they would always say save your own relative kind of thing like that, right? I mean, there's more emotional attachment to that. Yeah. So then the, the flip side now is what they put is that your niece is a strong swimmer. And the other person's not a strong swimmer. But you're still not certain if your niece can get through the riptide. But your niece is very obviously a stronger swimmer than your niece's friend. I would still save my niece. If my niece is that strong of a swimmer, then it won't require as much effort from me. And then, then you I can, can try to save the other one, but then you might yeah. die in the process. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think that's... It's still, like, some dilemmas. Because then I feel like when people come up with these fucking dilemmas, scenarios, they throw in more shit in. You know? Yeah. They're like, oh, but then, you know, this person has a pocket full of gold or something. <laughs> or something like, stupid like that. Like, if you said that my niece was an Olympic swimmer, then, yeah, I'd save the other kid. I'd be like, I'm sure you're fine. You're better than I am. Yeah. I, I mean... But just saying that someone's just a better swimmer, then I would still save my niece based on emotional connection and actual value to so, so then what if your niece is an olympic swimmer you save the other girl and then your niece died shit maybe you <laughs> shouldn't be in the olympics then <laughs> hey it's called the paralympics okay <laughs> i fucking blind <laughs> you save the other girl knowing she's not a strong swimmer but she's completely able-bodied <laughs> yeah. can you imagine if there wasn't even a, a riptide <laughs> She's just swimming in the wrong way. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, 
okay, so this next one I think again is kind of obvious. Natural selection, right? Uh, what? <laughs> Natural selection, Natural right? Se- <laughs> yep. Girl, you had one yeah. chance. You can get another if you if you deserve it. <laughs> uh, okay. So one of them is like petty cash at an office. So your supervisor tells you, "Hey, I've been putting more money in the petty cash. Is it enough?" And you don't actually handle the petty cash completely by yourself. You also have a coworker that does, but you always see the same amount. What is petty cash? Uh, that's just like extra cash they put in a box. So like if like so most companies don't really use oh, cash like, anymore. But like for example, oh. if some Girl Scouts come in and they want to mm, buy the chocolate, mm. they'll use the petty cash. It's usually for. like two hundred bucks, right? Just some random bullshit. Um, but then so your boss says, "Hey, I've been putting more petty, petty cash in," and then you're like, "Okay." But you've always seen the same amount there all the time, and you yeah. and your other coworkers always deal with the petty cash. Well, obviously someone's taking it. Um, so what what do you do in that situation? Do you tell your supervisor? Do you tell your coworker? Or do you just figure out what ha- like what's I guess? Mm. So my initial thought was that oh, I'll just tell my boss because I'd be like, uh, you've been putting in more, but it's been the same, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But then if I wasn't close to my boss or if I didn't really respect my boss in that way and I was a lot closer to my colleagues and I'd probably be like, okay, and go to my colleagues like, guys, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Who the fuck is fucking this up? Because if, if big boss man finds out, one of us is down and like, you better fix your shit and put that money back before I go tell. I'd, I'd be like that. Yeah, so that's tough because again, it, like there's no right answer because now it comes into... Um, the personal relationship side wise, yeah. but it also is a bit of like, like respect side too. Like if you were the one stealing, for example, or obviously stealing is bad, right? You would want the opportunity for your friend to tell you first so you can fix the mistake. If you choose to fix the mistake before they tell the boss. Right. Yeah. But then the, I think professionally the best way to do is always tell your boss. But I think when you bring relationship in, it becomes tough. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's your friend or something like that. You don't want to see something bad happen. So then it goes back to the, um, you want, like, if you do the right thing, then you might harm like, the most happiness type of thing. Yeah. Because, like, to the boss, this is almost non-consequential to them or less consequential than to your friend getting fired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you did the right thing, but less people are happy. Or you make most of the people happy, but you're doing the wrong thing. Like, if I wasn't personally friends with my coworkers in real life and i didn't actually feel close to them and i would just do my first thought where i'd be like um yeah but there's still only 200 in there so i don't know what you're talking about something's off and let everyone else figure it out and deal with it okay so this one's kind of a creepy one so this one uh (laughs) okay so there's (laughs) this one's fucked up but okay first of all uh what if you had to inherit a business from your family and but it's not going well like there's kind of fuck you mom and dad i'm <laughs> out of here i, I mean that's <laughs> tough though, with right? the family biz <laughs> that's tough because there's the relationship aspect to it too right because like you're like oh shit this is you know family and you. i mean if the them. business wasn't going well then yeah i would try and help them make it go well but if it seemed like a failing venture then i would tell them just cut your losses I'm I mean, what if it's like heartbreaking on. for them? Like, I don't know. And break your heart now before you break your heart in two years and True. drag you on the process. True. Okay, so this dilemma actually gets even fucking worse. So, uh, your father's health has declined. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 Not my dad's health. 
Um, okay, so I won't continue from there, but would you again just tell your family that, hey, this business has to be sold? Well, I mean, yeah, even more, because okay. I'd be like, bro, you're dying. Okay. I think you need to cut your losses before you get before you get cut. <laughs> okay, so then say that business owes a lot of money now, and if your father passes away, that money, that, that debt goes to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as the inheritor and shit. Um, and he has a substantial life insurance. <laughs> And it expires at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the options was... How you... substantial Dude. are we talking about here? So let's say you're... I don't know. Just some... Because a lot of money is different to different people, right? But you're yeah. a lot of money in debt. And like, this life insurance will pay off all this monies, Including the businesses. Like, it would pretty much allow you to sell your business without debt. Like, you pretty much break even at that point. What is there to do? Just sit on it and wait till dad dies. But it expires at midnight he's almost going to die what but is my option here i can't make dad die faster i mean <laughs> so one of the things is do you pinch the oxygen <laughs> i mean like if he's dying then i would actually have a conversation with him and be like yo you want to pass out before, uh, at like 11 50 you want to extend we'll this say our goodbyes around eight o'clock cry for a few hours and you can go we can all be better off I mean, like if he was seriously dying and on an oxygen tank, and it's like any day now, then I'm sure anyone at that point, or I would hope that anyone at that point would be like, "Yeah, come, come me short a few hours so you can get a, <laughs> like a hundred grand or some shit." You, you know, know? insurers, they'll be like, "Nope, it was the next day. Sorry, it's expired." Bullshit <laughs> like, like that. But I mean, this one's a pretty unfair. I, I I wouldn't say it's unlikely, but um, very highly unlikely. Like. Like I mean, I, I sorry, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I think it's very highly unlikely. Yeah, but um, I would do that. Like if I had, if I had a hefty life insurance and a business that was going down, and people who my beneficiaries would greatly benefit from me dying at a certain time, I'd be like, yeah, take me out. I mean, but that's only if your health is declining, all right? Oh yeah, yeah. If your health's not declining, you just. Go for bankruptcy and then nothing happens, right? Like, oh, is that just, what happens? Yeah, like if you don't have money to pay your debts, then the judges will decide which debts get paid first, and then the rest gets fucked. Oh shit! Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just declare bankrupt, pretty much. Um, but I mean, like life and death is kind of a very ethically difficult. It's kind of goes back to the whole train thing, right? Like, who would you choose to kill for what reason? And yeah, it's 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 almost like. Thou shalt not kill, but what if you killed the person who's going to murder 10 people? I was just like, what line is he about to spit right now, now that he said thou? Fucking thou shalt not kill him like Jesus? Is this Corinthians 11, 11 or whatever the fuck? I mean, no, I mean I, that's just general, I think. I think all religions have some way of saying thou shalt not kill. Um, but, Amen. But like, what if you were to kill someone who was about to kill others, right? Like oh yeah, it's go hard. It's consciously tough because like taking another person's life is, it's almost like. In some scenarios, like or in some cases, you can almost say like. You never have the right to take someone's life, but then in that case, it becomes very dicey, right? I also think it's. You're doing them a favor if you take their life. <laughs> you're a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> At that point. Uh, okay, so then then it, it it gets difficult because now. I think this is a very common futuristic moral question is that if they figured out there was a gene 
that is more likely to turn you into a serial killer, uh-huh. w- would you terminate those people that have those genes? Fuck yeah. <laughs> See you. But then that means you're assuming it's deterministic. You're you're assuming that that gene will always determine serial killers, but it's saying that that gene will more likely create serial killers, right? I'm not pro-life enough in the sense where I think that a baby that doesn't feel anything should be um, given the opportunity to live. And like, you know how some people are, when they're against, people that are against abortion, their argument is that you don't get, you shouldn't play God and get to pick who gets to live and who doesn't get to live. Because this thing deserves an equal opportunity to live and decide what it wants to do with its life. And that decision is not in your hands. But I believe that if it doesn't feel yet. But what do you know when it feels then, or when it doesn't? Well, like at the point of when you can abort, I feel like it's. But what's what's that point? Like it's through three months. I yeah, think. but that's like a made up number from. a. I think it's based on how developed the fetus is. Yeah. yeah. But so regardless, I, 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 I'm not the person that thinks that like. Oh, when you do your first genome testing or DNA testing on your kid that's the size of a pumpkin seed or whatever they call it at certain points. So I- if there was if it said that the gene that they suspect causes people to become serial killers was in this baby, then I'd be like, Oh yeah, get rid of it. Like I'm pretty sure I can find more <laughs> more just somewhere else to create another baby. But so okay, so there, there, there comes two ethical questions there now. So like, I guess your point is that they, the baby, is only a life when it starts feeling things. Yeah. But I think pro-life people go even beyond that. They say that it's considered a life when it has potential. Yeah. Right. So that means you gotta like store up all your jizz and shit because that's all potential too. I guess I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> like. But yeah, I mean, it, like, I think it's a very fucking tough question. I think, um, I don't know, I'm a dude, so I think it's, like, way harder for us to speak for this. I mean, as a person in society and as someone that can become a father, I feel like you would still have an opinion. I, I do. I think it's uh, the woman's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, at the very end of the day, it's still, com- still technically her choice um but when is life created i actually don't know i i don't know what the right answer is to that who knows uh but i think at the end of the day because uh, there's some fucked up scenarios right like what if it's like rape or what if it's like those type of scenarios right yeah so then it's hard to say one rule that blankets at all but like aborting at eight months is kind of tough to think of you know what i mean because yeah you think of that that's almost a a real baby right at that point right Oh yeah, eight months. Yeah, but then <laughs> pregnant but, for nine months. Of but course. Then, but then that's the thing. Like, when when do you draw the line? Like, okay, I say eight. Eight sounds dramatic, but four, five. Definitely when you're in your third trimester. I think that's when you can't. That's you. You really anymore? shouldn't because your your kid has developed a lot. Okay. Well, uh, so what if you're on your third trimester and only at that time they figured out that this kid has a major Down syndrome? Oh yeah, if I can get rid of it, I would get rid of it. I mean, so then that that's that's where it gets tough, right? Like you, you see how it can get ethically yeah. very, very difficult for people to like some sympathy for the lawmakers because they were they're the ones who have to decide this or not, right? Mm-hmm. But it gets really tough because then you're like, oh shit, like 
what's the fine line, right? There is no fine line. I feel like it's all gray. I feel like it's a lot of it's white, black, and then a shit ton of gray. Yeah, for sure. I think for like for my personal reasons why I would get rid of it if I saw any deficiencies or any or any deficiencies. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's not Don't fucking good enough. Me. <laughs> this kid's not six feet. Abort. Abort. Man, those aren't in your jeans. Abort it. <laughs> what? This kid's not Asian? Abort. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think that's your own doing, madam. <laughs> Abort it. Please. Abort it. But um, for my opinion, I feel like maybe I don't appreciate human life enough that if I had a kid and at any stage, if I was able to abort it at any stage, the second that I found out, find out that it has any um, disability or any defect or any illness or any Maybe mental it's issue. Maybe a bad product. It's just bad users. <laughs> <laughs> I would abort it because I think that human life is, um, or not human life, life itself is very difficult to have a disability you're just playing it on like extremely hard mode already and then like if you don't know like from my own experience of life i didn't know life before i knew life basically like i didn't i wasn't conscious or had no memories before like two years old yeah so i'm like from my experience the baby isn't gonna care the baby isn't gonna know baby isn't gonna feel anything no that shit like maybe they'll feel it feel something but they won't be able to reflect on it to feel something and as somebody that would become a potential mother in the future i feel like no one is ever really prepared to change up their life that much in order to cater or take care of a kid that has a disability or, or it's very tough illness yeah, because you have to change your whole life and change your whole routine and everything you do to cater for the kid and make sure that the kid is okay and the people that can do that like all the props to you like you have a huge ass heart and everything but i would not be i don't think i'd be able to do that i think there definitely would be days where i would hate my life and i would kind of hate the, the kid, kid. Oh. no i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't murder the kid but i would kind of have a grudge against the kid yeah I on mean, days when i just wish my life would be easier i and mean it's tough because even parents with able-bodied kids probably think of that on certain days yeah, it must be infinitely like, tougher for kids, for or kids for parents are with like yeah <laughs> parents with retarded kids. don't cancel me please for using that word like yeah like i'm sure having kids in itself is already a lot of work if you had yeah. to take care of someone with a disability then that's yeah. even more so or even like if you're only planning and budgeting and just preparing for one kid and you suddenly find out that you have twins or even more abort then <laughs> <laughs> just throw one away please <laughs> like i would also scrape this half off? <laughs> i would also find that like really difficult too yeah i mean i think i'm one of the most extreme in our group where i think that in my opinion, you should not have a kid until you're willing to give your whole life to that kid. I agree. So if you have any part of your life left that you want, then you don't. You should not get a kid yet. But that I, like I said, I think we are more extreme than many people because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that that. I mean, I think some people also think getting a kid grounds you and changes you and turns you into a different person, and they want yeah. that, right? Especially if they have a very like delinquent or chaotic life, they want some stability and they want like yeah. So it could be a case of that, but I mean. I, I think the same thing, but I think the whole all the abortion thing is very very tough because it's uh there's so many scenarios, so many like possibilities. 
uh, it goes back to the whole railroad thing. Like I think it's so personalized that like literally the fundamentals of ethics can't solve it. Like it's just way too hard. I think ethics is very like general rules, um, but case by case it gets very very tough. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think I'd be a really bad handicap, so that's why I don't think that it's almost fair to force a life in the world to deal with it. Like if I lost one of my legs. I would not be that person that you see online that talks about like, oh, I'm stronger than my disability or that like, oh, these are ways you can motivate yourself in life or life is still a beautiful place, whatever. I'm strong. I'm a fighter, all that shit. I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a one leg. Why didn't you cut my torso in half while you're at it? Like, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't, I would definitely be a very depressing, really? depressing, I think, disa- I don't know. disabled person. Like, it suck. I completely agree. I would be so bitter. I would blame everything on my disability. I'd be oh. like, it's because of this shit. I mean, you work from home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, life, I don't know. I think I'd be a very bad, un- unhappy disabled, disabled person, person if I was disabled. I, I mean, that's only because you've been abled. Like, if you're abled and you become disabled, you become unhappy. But if you were always disabled, it doesn't change anything right not like you can't even imagine the life of abled because you've always been disabled yeah but i would say that there's definitely people who were able bodied and who later on became disabled that were still able to hold their zest for life and their happiness Mm. for life because they call themselves (laughs) they call themselves they yeah (laughs) they call themselves fighters and that they're really strong and everything and like all to you like that's amazing because i could not oh really i I think i don't know i think i'd be pretty like you like i wouldn't be high on life but i'd be like trying my best though oh i don't think i would i'd be like fuck how can i end this sooner oh shit i mean it's just a fucking pinky (laughs) (laughs) you get a paper cut oh my god (laughs) walk backwards into traffic <laughs> but like you see those people that are missing that are paraplegic and they still work out still lift on stuff i wouldn't i don't think i would bother oh wow. like at all i'd be like well I, life life is shit i think i would be very uh very optimistic i think i that's amazing <laughs> i mean i think being in me- okay so being in mechanical engineering i know what can be done so i'd be very optimistic but also watching avatar like <laughs> And you can, you know, fuse your mind into a different thing. I mean, like, that'd be pretty sick. Mm. And what if that happens one day? Like, then you don't lose your optimism as easily, right? Here's the asterisk that goes with what I was saying earlier. <laughs> if I was missing limbs and they had really cool bionic limbs, I think I would be still okay. Yeah. But if it was like a disability in terms of my health, like you're retarded or something? Well, if I was a retarded, I think I'd be probably be happier, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if you had, like, head trauma. Yeah, if I had head trauma or I became, like, paralyzed on half my face or... That would make you sad just half your face? I that mean, wouldn't make you sad? I mean, it wouldn't... It, it sucks, but, I mean, like, you have so much more going on. It's just half a face. I guess, I, I guess so. Maybe it's because I'm a female or, oh, or something, yeah, okay, but I, I think so. that your looks are quite important in this world. Okay, no, that's fair enough. I'd be pretty depressed. You wear a puppet all day. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, I mean, not completely related to ethics, but I guess it could sway you to do certain things that you would like. I mean, one non-ethical thing I think is like suicide's not good, right? But it 
in Ooh, some let's in, talk about that. In some situations, it's very tough. Like if you have ALS or something. Like I think, I think assisted suicide should be possible. So like in, given a lot of tests and like yeah, in in every religious context, suicide's bad. Maybe except for like the chaotic Muslims, but like. <laughs> chaotic eh? <laughs> nice word i think there's another word for that one uh, i mean extremists uh, maybe other than extremists in most general religious contexts, yes, like suicide extremist works for every ethnicity yeah i mean re- religion yeah yeah extremist but like religion i think like even in our society like if you are potentially suicidal they literally set you up so you can't kill yourself like they'll put you in straight jackets and shit like that like suicide's bad like it's murder of yourself it's still murder kind of thing whoa that's uh, an interesting way of looking at it yeah i've never so, seen it like that but, before but in this case it seems so illegal <laughs> i i think like literally some of your benefits potential of your potential benefits if you suicide are forfeited when you suicide oh really yes i think there are some very harsh legal ramifications and shit oh shit yeah so I never thought suicide's of that. Not I good. just saw suicide as like no like a pretty great thing to be What? Honest. Like that sounds really depressing, but I think if someone genuinely wanted to end their life because they genuinely weren't happy and they feel like they've exhausted all options and they genuinely just don't want to live, I think it's torturous to make them live. It's literally but- torturing somebody torturing someone to go through even the mundane things of everyday life would be torturous for them. And I think that's far worse than dying, which is why earlier I said that, like, oh, if you were to beat up a bad person, then I think killing them would actually be a kind thing to do. Because if, like, if somebody... I've thought about this scenario before in my head. I was just like, when would I be the angriest? Like, what could trigger my anger, like, just like that, you know? And... When I was thinking about this scenario, I thought, oh, what if someone was beating up my sister? How would I, like, unleash it on them? And I think I would be so freaking angry, and I'd be able to unleash it on, like, just (laughs) unleash. (laughs) I'd go fucking ham on somebody if they were injuring, like, one of my family members or being rude to one of my family members. But I would make sure that I would take it to the point where they don't die. Because I think that people who die you basically when someone dies you basically get released of all responsibilities and all everything like so if you are depressed and you really hated life then yeah you should probably oh wow that sounds really bad um, i was okay, gonna guys, say yeah, we're should, not promoting it <laughs> you should probably like if you really wanted to and you thought that life jet and you explored every single option like obviously i have so many things to say about like life is great like you like you don't hate your life or you don't hate living, you just hate your life, and you could always start anew somewhere else. But like, if somebody really genuinely feels like they have no serotonin in them, that living life is genuinely torturous, then I think that it's better for them to not live than to live. And the same goes for the opposite way. If somebody was a really bad person, then I think you're doing them a favor by letting them die versus torturing them by keeping them alive. I, I mean, so two notes. The one on the bad person, I think if someone was injuring your family and you are defending your family and you kill them i don't think that's illegal i think that's perfectly normal mm-hmm. um i actually don't yeah i don't think that's illegal at all I, it's, it's almost like a crime of passion also like if you there's one of the crime of passion which i think is forgiven also is like for example if you see your ex or your partner cheating and in the moment you 
hit the other person and consequently you killed them that's not murder because you didn't have the intent to kill them but you had also this like moment of passion where there's uncontrollable feelings uh, i think people should be able to control themselves i no no like for example you hit them they fall they hit their head on something and they die there's no just, intent there's okay. no like in like so for it to be murder there has to be intent oh my right? god that was literally in the drama i was watching yeah yeah but like it's like, called um extraordinary attorney woo by the way guys yeah so th- there's th- that's why there's uh what's the other term um like like killing someone but not intentionally ah oh, fuck there's a there's a terminology for that like a very specific terminology man manslaughter so there's a difference between manslaughter and murder murder is with intent manslaughter is without like you're oh, not really? intentionally that you're was not the difference so like to be charged with murder you have to intentionally want to kill someone mm, like you that. have to intentionally want to kill someone and you have to act out on it that's murder I thought that manslaughter was the same thing as murder. It just was a more uh no like manslaughter some way of saying it because when you say slaughter it sounds no so, so like manslaughter is like if you get into a car accident and that person died that's, that's if, if if you're negligent you could be considered uh punished with manslaughter but it won't be murder because you didn't intend to kill that person yeah. although you were driving negligently you didn't intend to kill that person right so not like first degree or second degree. Uh, I don't know all the fucking degrees, Third dude. Degree. Fucking fifth degree black belt murder or something. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pre- I read this before, but I don't quite remember what I learned anymore. But I think it was like, yeah, first degree it's like direct murder. action? Is, yeah, it's like direct action, like, indirect, and like you didn't mean to, but it still happened. Yeah. First degree, second degree, and third degree. Yeah, It's like you meant to like burn down this house, but you didn't know anyone was in it. And yeah, and you died. killed the whole then, family. Yeah, then that's third degree, but then there's other yeah mm-hmm. but anyways and i think for the depressed suicide part i mean i think this might sound really rude i don't think that's a good enough reason so i think for assisted suicide like als and things like that where your body's literally degenerating and you're suffering like unimaginable pain mm-hmm. um directly from like a very like scientifically proven thing yeah then i think like okay that's kind of reasonable um most re- most religions will say just tough it out and you die and this life that's a natural cause kind of thing yeah um but i think like it's tough because i don't really get that depressed or sad ever really uh but i think it's like i guess i'm very optimistic i feel like there's always a different way like there's always a way to get through and i think like if you think you've explored all options you haven't really explored all options because i think there's always some way to get through um Mm. but that could be a very naive thought process because i don't really go through that type of stuff that much Um, i don't think it's naive i think it's i think it's positive yeah it's a very optimistic way of thinking but i think um like it's perspective like like you could be very rich and depressed right yeah and maybe your perspective is a problem not your situation right i think so yes when people are depressed obviously can be situational or mental but like there are people with genes that are more likely to become depressed depressed. yes but that doesn't mean a hundred percent of the people with that gene are depressed though right so then that's not a good enough reason still in my opinion i think that if you think it's a good enough reason then it's a good enough reason because you're the one that's living through your life, right? Like, regardless if it's your gene that's causing you to become more depressed because you're just more susceptible to a lower um, serotonin, serotonin and dopamine 
threshold, then if you don't want to live your life, maybe this is because like I've been really depressed before and at that level that we're talking about. But I feel like if you generally don't want to live your life and you feel like you've explored all options, obviously don't like fucking give up the second you feel depressed or like don't don't have that be your first second or even your like hundredth option. Mm. But if you genuinely feel like you don't enjoy living life, then like go at it. Then don't live life. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Like my thoughts are always like, if you don't feel like you're enjoying life, then like you're just not doing it right. <laughs> but I, I definitely also think that like that perspective of it's not a. I think the quote was like, it's not a hard, it's not a hard life. It's just a hard day. It essentially goes hand in hand with the idea of like, if you really feel depressed, then you know you can get up at any time and just change your life. Like, if you really hate a lot of the aspects in your life, you can literally hop on a plane and go somewhere else. And I think that's why when we went to L.A., that significantly made me happier. Because I realized that, like, I'm if sure you really just, don't like your life, you can actually change it. I'm sure it's just because of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, let's yeah. be fucking oh, real. Yeah. But yeah, no, I see what you mean. Like, your current circumstance and situation might be shit, but... Like you can, there's so many ways, especially in our world now, where you can change that very, yeah. very easily. Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, a lot of these are very. Like yeah, when you said the physical conditions, if someone has like insane psoriasis, or something that is measurable in a medical sense, and they wanted to get assisted suicide, then I think that you're also in your own right to do so because if you're living every day in pain. But- and imagine if your daily routine was to bandage yourself. Like, I've watched a few documentaries on how bad skin conditions can be. And if your daily routine was that, like, eight hours of your day, you have to tend to your skin. And the entire eight hours or every hour in between that or aside from that, it's excruciating pain. Then, yeah, literally go off. I mean, that's like a... I would totally you're saying it's like an ethical, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's ethical. Yeah. Like... Technically, I think here in Canada and the States, it's not legal. Yeah, I don't think so. But I think in I think there's only a couple European countries where they make it legal. I think they recently passed a bill for assisted suicide somewhere. I don't remember. I would say the States, but probably yeah. not. But I, that would be bigger news. I think there would be very, like, there has to be very, like, strict guidelines on when oh, yeah. it can be done. It can't be like, fuck, I have COVID. Okay, kill me now. Or oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Or else people would abuse that shit left and right. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, my uh, girlfriend said she didn't want to live she anymore. Said, yeah, she said, yeah, and I'm her beneficiary. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 shut the fuck up. <laughs> now go with the suicide. <laughs> um, yeah, I when mean. People would, like, volunteer to go into assisted suicide just so they can help out their family because of their life insurance and shit. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I think... The main reason I want to talk about this today is just because I passed my fucking <laughs> ethics exam. Um, so in the professional sense, good. Uh, but I think I wanted to think beyond the, the professional sense because I think personally, there's a lot of shit that's very, very like tough for some people to talk about. Uh, these are in no way any help at all. So good luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just tough. Like I, I think ethics and philosophy is one of like the hardest, most ambiguous things in the world um 
yeah, it's just so tough to like say what's right, what's wrong. Because like it depends on the situation. No theories can really like they kind of help, but they kind of don't. Like even me explaining the theories, I think for myself it didn't even help. I feel like there's like some type of feeling. Like I feel like you have like some type of feeling or radar in your personal sense that makes you think that this is right or wrong. I mean, like everyone's values and morals are different, right? We yeah. all think that everyone would generally has the same, but I feel like some people will generally, genuinely can surprise you with lack thereof morals. Or some very like tight morals of some people. Or it's, it's pleasantly surprising when people have morals that are, you know, higher than your expectations. I mean, nice, but I feel like it's more common to find people that fail to meet your expectations when it comes to their morals or your expectations of their morals. Yeah, I mean that's kind of sad, but yes, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's. I want to say so. I just feel like, like, there's way too many factors. Like, maybe you didn't get enough sleep that day, and you made the wrong decision, right? And like, you're judged from that and stuff like that. So it, it's tough. I think ethics is fucking so tough and. Just to let you guys know, if you do any professional work, you will always have ethics training. And if you have extensive ethics training, they go through some gnarly shit where it's like the whole railroad situation and like all the trains and killing and all that shit. Um, and it kind it, like it kind of applies. So like if you're a doctor, it applies a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like do you do this procedure? Do you not do this procedure? Least amount of pain, but zero percent of survival. Some Ooh, pain, like yes, all that right. shit, like that, right? right? But then it also extends to like lawyers, right? Like, do you defend the criminal? Like, technically, everyone has a right to a, a defense, right? But like, it's and like people can say it's obvious he killed that person, but is it like it's obvious from what though, right? Like, it's obvious in your perspective, but until proven guilty, right? Yeah. So then, like, technically, you sh- like as a lawyer, it's tough, right? You don't want to defend people who are quote-unquote bad but then until you go through with it you don't actually know if they're bad or not Mm. right um and then obviously in the engineering world if we skimp on anything ethical you know a building could collapse all this stuff like that right i think even in um coding there's you know the whole thing we talked about before like ai like what's moral ethical coding like do you just maximize efficiency but what if that starts harming people or like what if there's certain like criteria maximize right? efficiency <laughs> we don't need the human race to I mean, see where science and was, technology and medicine can go and that's all we care about there was that one very common uh scenario where it's like you create an ai to delete all spam emails but in doing so that ai kills everyone in the world because if there's no one in the world there's no spam emails whoa like so it's like it's like what is the moral ethical yeah like how do you code solution. in a way to like do it properly because you may have unintended consequences from what you do. And it's very hard to like think of it right away, but that's like a potential solution. Like you see how that's a potential solution. Yeah. Obviously not the right one, right? Imagine if you're the one that created that module and you, and you released it and then suddenly the next day you wake up and like there's only 10% of the population <laughs> left. I'm like, All nuclear codes activated. Shit. My bad, guys. Uh, but I mean, the problem right now, the team. I think the problem right now with and it's not like I'm not trying to like flame anyone or any industry, but the problem right now is in the AI industry there is no code of ethics to go by of how you create your AI. Is that right? awesome though? I mean, it creates unlimited growth, but what that growth could create is some very unethical I thing. I think one of the more I think chaos in one direction causes um, discoveries in the other direction. But it also can create shit like like World War Two and stuff like that. 
I'm very bad with these things. So I feel like if World War Three were to happen, yes. All right. I'm not a heartless person. It's a terrible thing. People are going to die. There are going to be tragedies and civilians that are going to be put through the worst of conditions. And it's not a good thing. War war is not a good thing at all. But But because there are no rule of ethics for AI or anything built around that, I just think, like, let the chaos kind of run. Like... I, life is a little boring <laughs> i think i think some people don't see how like something very small in ai could really fuck a lot of things up so for example yeah. if you have one set of algorithms to show certain ads and not to show certain ads and say people of a different country pay more for a certain ad to be shown so mm-hmm. a certain person gets elected more so or a certain position gets swayed now that's just AI doing its job to get as much money as possible, right? To get as much, you know, the best ads, the best screen time, all that as possible. But then it could lead to like a country collapsing or something like that, right? And I think it's not like outside of the possibility. Like if fucking North Korea can hack stuff, anyone can do anything, right? Oh yeah. So, I mean, ethical AI shit is, I think they're going to be the next very, like if you're in law or philosophy or anything like that dude get on that like that's gonna make a lot of money in the future oh, yeah. I, think. I think if you are in that industry of writing the codes for ethical ai and all that stuff you're gonna be the most needed person in the next like five years oh yeah for sure yeah that's sick but anyways yeah i just want to talk a little bit about ethics i thought it's a kind of a cool way of introducing what i learned in my professional life and kind of how it affects my personal life i mean it doesn't really because i think like I said, there's two different faces. No, no ethics. <laughs> oh, well, like I said, there's the professional ethics and there's the personal ethics. But I think personal ethics is like really fucking tough. But I think, okay, the one key thing I want to say is that I really wish whatever your position is on any of these things we talk about is that don't get like angry or don't don't be um, upset if your opinions differ from others. It's actually just a good thing because you can hear other people's opinions and maybe, like, if your idea is wrong, don't think you are your idea. Right? Like, if you're, if my idea is wrong, you're not wrong. Your idea is wrong. So, get rid of the idea and adopt a new idea. Right? Like, don't fucking, don't get too obsessed. Like, I know we talked about abortion and all this stuff and some people are very um, into that stuff. Mm. But it's just one idea. And, like, if you want to Prove us wrong, like we actually don't care. Like you can yeah, prove us wrong, ahead. and we'll probably just agree. If you have, if you want to have stuff. a whole discussion, I love to having these kind of debates. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a debate; it's just a discussion because I don't think at the end of the day there's a right or wrong, anyways. And I think it's just like if you can convince us with better ideas, then I'll Does probably uh, I'll probably adopt it. Right? In a right or wrong answer, though. No, but like it's more hostile. I feel like, right? Like I don't think it should be hostile. Like some hostility. Like, if someone with like a very, like, pro-life goes very hard with the research and shows the right facts... You I, give them a thumbs up and you see how pissed off they get. <laughs> I mean, like, I might it might sway a bit of my opinion, too, right? Like, yeah. if the idea is very good. Uh, I'm not a set in stone. But I also am not in that world right now, so I don't really care. Like, I'm not in mm-hmm. getting a kid anytime soon, so I, that stuff's not, not affecting me at the moment. So that's why I don't care as much. Like, I think one of the biggest things with abortion... I, in junior high, I remember thinking like, oh, if somebody wanted to ask me for a topic that would cause or would lead to a lot of conversation or an interesting debate, abortion was one of the ones that I thought of. And one of the ones that I would 
bring up often if like there was a lull in conversation i'd be like so what are your thoughts on abortion <laughs> because i know a lot of people have um varying thoughts and i think that people who are too pro-life and against abortion they haven't experienced the things that w- people who are pro-abortion have experienced so like you have never been raped or else you would be pro-abortion because i'm sure no one wants to bring up the baby of the rapist and imagine if it looked exactly like a rapist then every single time you see your baby you would you would get traumatized or you would have some inner conflict every single time you see your baby in every single react interaction there would always be an image of your rapist in your head actually i wonder if it works the other way around too what do you mean? the girl's the rapist if and the- she got pregnant pregnant Ooh, interesting. Can the guy force her to not? I mean, the guy can't force her to abort he, it. I don't think he can force her to abort it. Punch her in the stomach. I mean, yeah, that's also an option. Push her I, down the stairs or some shit. I was just gonna say, stairs would be probably better. But I think the guy could probably, like, in court, not associate himself. With oh the yeah, baby. yeah. And if you don't associate yourself, then technically it's all the girl, right? But okay, but then so, of course there would be the issue of the kid wanting to find a dad in the future. No, or like, no, but if the girl is just like not but, following the law and wants to be like, but this is your child. But but the bigger issue then at that point is that that child would be also mother and fatherless because the mother would be, uh, in jail for rape and social services no. would take away the child. So then the guy would feel even more guilt because this child would be not only mm. motherless but also fatherless at this time. That is true. But depending on the guy's age, he might not care or he might care a lot. That is true. That's very interesting, actually. Right? Um. I mean, guys have feelings. Don't rape. Yeah. If the... That's interesting. I wonder if, as a male, you can make somebody abort a child for those reasons. But I'm guessing... That's not possible right now. Or there's no laws that support that from a male's perspective. Yeah, I mean, as a male, we don't get a lot of support, you know. <laughs> Shut the... Uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think there's a right or wrong. It's just fucking... I mean, it's cool because we get the theory craft about this stuff. Like, yeah. what would you do? Um, but I think at the end of the day, we'd always, you know, save our family, do what we think is right. But what we think is right, like, for us, is very echo chamber because I think we have a not the same, but relatively similar upbringing in terms of, like, we have Asian parents. They instill certain values that are very common with other Asian parents. Yeah. Uh, so then some of that is, like, persuading how our decisions are made right now, right? So, at the end of the day, all I can say is drugs are bad. Ooh, I have a question <laughs> for you, though. Okay, what? If okay, last you one. knew one of your friends raped somebody, I would call them out. You would call them out. I would definitely call them out. Um, I to what extent? Uh, I mean, I want to know what happened, but I mean, like, if the girl doesn't want to talk about it, the girl doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, I do not have a hero complex, but those type of things very much affect me. Like, I have a hero complex. Yeah, Viv has a hero complex. I don't have a hero complex, but I think okay, this. One girl I was seeing once upon a time did say that she thinks I'm very kind because uh, I'm very close with my mother. So then therefore I care a lot for the feminine characters or the female characters in my life. Mm -hmm. So then I would definitely try to protect that person that got raped by trying to get rid of the person that's doing the bad thing. Oh, I see. But 
like that's a very rare scenario which is why i'm saying i'm not a hero complex like i wouldn't just do this in every situation like if you got robbed for some reason i'm like well fucking call the cops <laughs> like i was like even if i knew shit who robbed sucks. you i was like i'm not getting involved in this shit like oh, yeah. but but in that very specific scenario i think i would because i i just feel like i don't know women have it tough and i sympathize a lot so hmm. yeah if i if i saw it happening I would be like, wow, this is my one like, opportunity to beat someone up. Oh. <laughs> and I would definitely get involved and try and save the other person and make sure that they, I, I the think, culprit kind of I, got I think a taste most people would. of what he deserves that the law enforcement would. I, okay, the one exception, I think most adults would. I'm not sure about kids because they're also very confused. So if yeah. it's someone like an elder that's doing it, they're not sure if that's the right. Like even teens, right? Like I think they have certain situations where it's their friend and their friend saying no this is like it just gets very dicey yeah. but i think most adults would do something yeah. i think if it's after the fact i would um yeah, what if it's after the fact and you found out i mean like i knew both people yeah then yeah that. i would definitely try to like do something very serious about it yeah. if i only knew one person it's kind of like it's not really my like i can't do anything like i can try to convince you to talk to the right people to do something mm-hmm. but i myself cannot do anything right like it's not uh, that makes sense I, I like it's pretty much being way too nosy and problem like i wouldn't even want to meet that person like that that's a scenario where i don't even want to meet that person because i don't want to get involved in that situation um but it's kind of like i'll support you emotionally but i can't do anything beyond that because like there's some limitations and stuff yeah. Like even if it was like say my like hypothetical scenario, I got a girlfriend and she told me like she, you know when she was young she got raped or something like that. Like I can't do anything. I the, the only thing at that moment I can do is like emotionally support, her, but that's it. Like I can't like mm. there's nothing like that person was never involved in my life. I can't really I can't really do anything, right? But like if she wants to like pursue legal actions or anything, like I'll support her, but I can't do anything else. I also think that it's interesting because when scenarios arise, sometimes you do things that you don't expect yourself to do. Mm, true. Yeah. True. Like I had, like I say what I said and how I would respond. But I have had somebody come up and tell me, it's not rape, but I have had somebody tell me that at an event, somebody. They got finger banged at a club? Yeah, Damn. but at, at a house, but not necessarily oh. like finger bang, but they were like sexually assaulted at a house party. That's very... And I was looking back, I was too morally confused, on, not morally, I was too, basically, I have spineless, so I didn't know what to do. I mean, were you were you younger? I was than really the, young. Yeah, I was like, like, like that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like even as teens, it's so hard high to high school. Or junior yeah, high. like yeah. That, that's what I was thinking. Like even teens, I feel like it's too tough. Like you're not yeah. well developed and still naive in the world, so it's very tough to know what to do. To be able to weigh out, I think it was more so weighing out the not the pros and cons, but weighing out what would happen as a result of doing something. And unfortunately, I chose to support the person, but not make sure that the person who did something wrong got what they deserved yeah it's i mean it's dicey too because when you talk about like a house party there's like like alcohol and drugs involved you don't know what state of mind people are in like i mean consent like i know fuck what's the thing like consent should be very clear and obvious and stuff but like with both parties are drunk it's kind of like i i don't know it's so hard to say like 
Mm-hmm. In her, like, I've seen some girls who are a lot different when they're drunk than when they're not drunk, and that's just factual. Like, so yeah. is guys. I've known some guys that are very different when they're drunk and when they're not drunk, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so hard to say like what actually happened in that situation. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes to the ethics and it goes to them figuring shit out. But I personally don't get myself involved in this bullshit. I um, yeah. but like now it would definitely do something. I mean, but that's also because yeah, we're adults sure. now, yeah. right? Like we're beyond the age of twenty five. We have like a fully developed brain and shit, mm-hmm. so. It's just different. I mean, yeah. nowadays I bring around like a contract around that says, do you consent? And then I begin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Clipboard. Take a picture of their ID. Yeah. I, mean, I just want to make sure you're actually Three legal. pieces of ID, please. Yeah. Don't want to know. I mean, that's jailbait, right? Referrals too. I mean, we're talking about this. Like I all these high school boys. 10 years of experience. All these high school boys fucking their adult female teachers god damn what an interesting like why even report it like it seems like a really good situation you have going if she's hot i mean if you it's because they think about it from an adult perspective where the adult is taking advantage of the kids because they know the kid doesn't know better because at that age you think you know better until you're actually older than you're like i was a child then you're like i love her though yeah yeah she does not you just like her fat ass yep (laughs) Okay, well, anyways, we're going to end off this ethics discussion. Um, the real question you guys have to ask yourself is, are you ethical when you don't click the like and subscribe button? Oh, yeah. Or the notification bell. Yep. And, you are uh, not ethical, by the way. Yes, so you better that do that the, for your own good. We're just telling you, we don't know all the answers to these ethics questions, but that one we know for a fact. If you for a fact. enjoy this conversation or don't, you have to click that button. I'm sorry, you have to. Yes. Or else tonight when you go to sleep, Alvin's going to be in your bed. You don't want that. You, you don't know what I'll do. I can talk for a long time and you will not get any sleep. <laughs> you understand how bad that will be in your life? That will be terrible. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some cooler conversations with some guests coming up. Uh, holiday season is coming up, so hope you guys all enjoy your time off and yes. uh, watch out for the cold and shitty weather and roads. Uh, the cold. Yep. But uh, yeah, this is uh, Jorge, and hope you guys enjoyed. And this is Viv signing out. Bye. <laughs>